Welcome to How to Leave a Cult. I am Brooke Walker, and this episode is brought to you by 100 Years of Bliss. 100 Years of Bliss is a corporate coaching company. Uh, they believe that life should be lived to each person's definition of bliss each and every day. And they help you define that as well as create and cultivate that through habits. So excited to have you guys here this week. Um, today we're going to talk about, and I want to share that I'm going to unveil a huge family secret that I found out about. And I'm also going to talk about how family relationships were actually completely redefined once we moved to Arizona and moved to the cult that we ended up joining. So just to give you a little recap of last week, last week we talked about how um, we began going to school within the private school that the church had. And then um, we also talked about how it was collective and financial living situations. So money and living, we lived in the same houses um, as other families or other families lived with us. So, all right, let's dive in today. So I'm going to give a little bit of background. So I've told you that my family, that my parents, Kathy and Chuck, and then they had Megan, who is my older sister, then they had me. They had Matthew, and then once we got to Arizona, my baby sister Dinah was born. And um, me, Megan, and Matthew were actually all born in Austin, Texas. So my parents met Stephen and Trina, who uh, created the church in Austin because they used to go around and they used to do these workshops. Um, and they had a couple different communities that they regularly went to. Austin was one of them. But my parents were not the first family from Austin to move to Arizona. Um, another family was Debbie. And she had two girls at the time, Andrea and Allison. And then there was uh, Rob and Lamenta. Rob and Lamenta. And she had two children. Uh, Nicole and Esau so they used to go to these workshops as well they used to go to the trances and before we ever moved to Arizona they moved to Arizona before us so in fact they moved to Arizona we moved to Maryland which was closer to my grandparents and then from Maryland we ended up moving to Arizona so by the time we got to Arizona like I had shared that I was excited because Allison, Debbie's daughter, I was really good friends with her. But there had been a tight-knit community in Austin of, you know, some of them were midwives that my mom did births with. Debbie was one of those. Uh, there was another, there was a few other families. So in Austin, it was a bunch of different people who used to get together regularly because they knew each other through birth and they were neighbors and they used to have parties together and as kids we all played with the other children because they had children of our ages so Lamenta and Rob they had a daughter who was older but then their son was my sister's age um, Andy who was Debbie's daughter was my older sister's age um, there was another woman her name was uh, Mary Michael, and Mary Michael had th three children. 
when we were in Austin and the they there was a daughter and son that was my sister and my age. Okay. So So once we moved to Arizona, we kind of were already used to being in a neighborhood where there was a lot of kids and our parents knew each other. And then as kids, we all played together. So that part continued. That part hadn't changed a lot. Plus, Robin Lamenta and their kids moved. Debbie and her children moved. So we were surrounded by people that we already knew. So there was a certain comfortability that already happened. And a lot of times I was playing with my friends and we, you know, most of the time there was somebody to play with. If they didn't come play at my house, I went and played at their house. So we also, you know, I played with Megan a lot. Me and Megan were really close. Me and Matt were close too. I remember reading him books at night when we were in Maryland before he used to go to bed. I think even before I could read, I had memorized a lot of the books from having them read to me. So I used to try to read them to him. Um, and Megan had like a Barbie dream house. So it was a lot of fun playing with her, you know, so anytime she would let me tag along, I would tag along. I would, I would take every opportunity I could get. And if she didn't, I was, a, I was a really good pretty easy for me to play by myself. I was that kind of kid. I was pretty happy to play alone too. So we're playing one day and it wasn't the first time that she had said this to me, but we're playing one day and whatever I had done <laughs> to piss her off that day, I don't know, could have broken something. I mean, I messed her stuff. I was a little kid, right? I was a little sibling. So there was times I messed her stuff up and she'd get mad at me and stuff like that. But we were playing and this is after we moved to Arizona and she gets mad at me and she says, we have an older sister who's adopted. Now, I didn't really even know what she meant, but I was really mad about it. And I decided this time I was telling my mom. Most of the time I just ignored it and went and played on my own. But this time I was telling my mom because and it wasn't really out of the normal for stuff that we would get into and fights we would get into. You know, we had those moments all the time where it was like she would say stuff to me. She was an older sibling. I was a younger sibling. It was pretty normal that way. I'd piss her off. She'd say something nasty to me. I'd leave or whatever. Or I'm telling mom, you know, that kind of thing. So I decide I'm going to go tell my mom this day because she said this to me before. But I think if I remember, she had told me I was adopted at one point. She used to tell me all kinds of stuff. So I didn't really take it as being that big of a deal. But I was going to get my mom to get her in trouble. So <laughs> I go get my mom and I'm like, tell my mom, like, tell her to shut up. She says this to me. She keeps telling me we have a sister that's adopted. And my mom sat me down. And she said, well, honey, I didn't want you to know this way, but you do have another sister and I want you to sit down so we can talk about it so I can explain it to you. And my mom explained to me that before they had Megan, when they were in high school, they had had another baby and that they had to give her up for adoption. 
And the reason they had given her up for adoption is because my grandparents said they couldn't be together at the time. So she was raised by another family and that they didn't know where she was. Um, they didn't know her name anymore. But then my mom got, my mom and dad got back together and then they had Megan and then they had me and they had Matt. And of course all the things like, you know, we love you and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember, I remember crying. I remember not completely understanding, um, wondering if she was okay. I think I probably asked if she was okay or I remember them telling me that they didn't know where she was. So I don't think I got my sister in trouble that time. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, come to find out later, Megan had found out in a trance. Duran had taken upon himself to tell her without my parents' permission. And we've talked about it since then. And, and you know, it's, it was never the issue that we found out about it. It was just they were never allowed to tell it in the way that they wanted to. Or at a time that they wanted to. And I don't know that nine would have been the best age to tell me. Um, from there, because we were now in the cult, there was a lot of other family dynamics that began to get redefined. So... I shared a little bit in the past episodes talking about the way that now we had to call people aunt and uncle. We were taught that the other kids of our age were like our sisters or our brothers, or at least like cousins. So I even remember at, at a very young age introducing myself or them to other people that we met like we were related, even though we weren't. And this became, I'm not sure the reason that they did this. I was too young to, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know the reason why they did a fucking ton of the shit that they did, to be completely honest. Psychologically, the way that I break a lot of it down is it was a way to manipulate and control things. So after that happened, the they began to make it very clear that it was my grandparents' fault, my dad's parents, the Walkers, that it was the Walkers' fault that my parents had given the baby up for adoption and because they wouldn't permit my dad and mom to get together at the time. So because of that, they had created the biggest mistake, which was to give a child up for adoption. So because my parents had made this mistake of giving a child up for adoption, then that, be that became this idea that not only did it begin to separate my parents from my grandparents more and us as kids, um, it also began to, I think, help to promote more interaction with 
the way that the teachers and everybody else interacted with each other's children. So I think that my parents, and this is an opinion, uh, my parents could tell me differently, but I think that there was this, this, this feeling that because they were told it was such a mistake that they had given her up for adoption, whether they had a choice about it or not, they felt that maybe Trina and Steven were better parents because they hadn't done that or would be able to, to help them more parent the other kids that they had. Because after that, there was this everybody taking part in raising you. And there was very little boundary about what people could do or what people could say or how they could handle you. And because there were so many families that were living together in homes with each other, this was a regular thing that was talked about. It was how people were parenting, what you did with your kid, what you didn't do with your kid, whether or not you were taking in other people's children just like your own, because you had to take everybody's kids in like they were yours. So you had to treat so-and-so who lived with you, you had to treat their kids like they were your kids. And I will tell you now, I 100% believe that you should love other people's children, but the lack of boundaries, I think was intentional because I think it made it so much harder later to pull away from each other because everybody is so enmeshed. And enmeshed, enmeshed means basically that you're woven together in so many different ways. So now you have to take everybody's kids in like they're your children. And then you have to discipline their children, love your children, love their children. And then there was these different ways that children were treated based on, you know, who they belong to as well. So let me explain that. So, for example, Trina had Marlo, Lane, these are her children, uh, Shelby, Summer, and Jessica. Four of them, the first four, she had before she got with Stephen with other relationships she was in, marriages or not, I don't know. Um, and then they adopted Jessica together. So because she had had those children and now her, Stephen, her and Stephen were together, those children were Stephen's relationship. So those kids had almost no relationship with their father. Stephen was now considered their father. And so in the teaching, you belong to your mother and whoever you were now with. So Stephen was expected to treat those kids like they were his own kids. Stephen never had his own children, but like they were his own kids, except for adopting Jessica. So he had to treat all of them exactly the same. That's, I don't think that that's necessarily all bad to be, to get in a relationship and have a man take your children under his wing like that, where it became an issue in my opinion is that 
then there were relationships where two people would come into the teaching, the collective, the church, the cult, whatever interchangeable word I'm using at the time. <laughs> and if they were married and had a child and they got divorced and then he went and got in another relationship, then all of a sudden he was absolved of having to have anything to do with that child that he had with the woman before. So he didn't, he probably didn't pay child support and he probably didn't even talk to the kid. And that happened a lot. Also, there was this regular adopting of children, which means anybody of certain ages, if they came in and it was believed that they needed more parenting, then they would choose a parent to parent them because in the teaching, it was believed that children chose the parents. So even like before you came into this life, I know it's weird. So as different kids needed parenting, they would have to choose a parent as well. I know this is going in a long rabbit hole, but I promise you I'm getting somewhere. So at one point, Chris, who was Mary Michael's son, Mary Michael is a midwife that my mom used to do midwifery with in Austin. He came to live there. And because he was still young, he became all of a sudden my brother. So my parents were like taking care of him like he was one of their children. And I, he could have been 17 or 18. I'm not really sure exactly how, how much older he was. I know he was older than Megan. Megan was at least 12 or 13 at the time, I would say. You know, I think I was around nine or so. And, I mean, we have family pictures. We did family pictures one year, and Chris is in all of our family pictures. So, you know, I go from learning this information that... I have a sister that my parents have given up for adoption, but all of a sudden I have this other guy who is now my brother. And so there was just all this like convoluted bringing together of families and relationships. And, and Chris was only there for a short period of time. I, I couldn't even tell you how long. It might have been a year. Um, but it just, as a kid, began to feel like you're in this big family. And we just do everything together. And so... You're consistently surrounded by a ton of people. You're consistently performing to act a certain way around everybody, to be accepted. But there's also like very little individuality. There's just this bigger picture that we're doing this for spiritual reasons, to do better, be better, and basically be more phenomenal than our parents were you know this this whole 
conglomeration of people that have come together are for this purpose to do better. And we're all doing it together and we're all raising our kids together. And it doesn't matter where you came from. You're, you're welcome here and you're loved here and you have family and you have parents if you need them and you have all these different things. And so, you know, I just kind of like, it was this go with the flow thing, but the flip side of that was that you think other people have your back whether they necessarily do or not. And you think other people are going to do things the way in which you would do things. And I think that this is one of the bigger problems that, that I look back and think was a huge issue. Nobody ever cared for us the way my parents cared for us. Nobody, you know, I'm not saying they didn't love us or make me food or those types of things, but nobody had a bigger care about really what happens to you than your parents do. So, and because there was this, my grandparents being so vilified, you know, that pulled us farther and farther away from them. And then my, my mom's mom passed away. And so, and I, and I think that that added to everything too, because I think it was really difficult for my mom because my grandmother wasn't very old, but Instead of us as a family going to the funeral for that, I think it was like Marlo, Trina's daughter, ended up going with my mom, which they were close close friends at the time, but it made absolutely no sense. And it was like, no, you don't get to go. It was like, you know, your mom's just going. And it was just, it was all these things where they just slowly started putting these, these this, this vice grip on the way things were all in the name of being more spiritual, you know? And when they talked about these family dynamics, it was all about the reason that you've made all these mistakes is because, or the reason you have pain over giving up a child for adoption is because you're in your blood. And being in your blood means being about your blood family. And you don't understand that you don't understand that your blood family is not the most important thing. The family you choose is more important than your blood family. And so you need to, so there was in processes, there would be regular times where they'd be like, you're being in your blood, which means you're either being too attached to your children or you're too attached to your parents, or you're too attached to something that's something that you came from. So, and if somebody defended their kid, so let's say Megan got in trouble for something and my parents tried to defend her, then my parents were told they were being in their blood. And so it's like this consistent gaslighting that is shoving you down this direction that, and you're so, there's so much chaos that you don't know how to turn it around. And every time you try to talk your way out of it or, or fight against it or all this kind of stuff, it's all like developed to suffocate you. So these things are all coming around you and it's like, it's like you try to do this and it's like you're in your blood or you try to do this and it's like, oh, well, you're just making it about your family. Or it's like you try to do... 
you try to, you know, it's like, why are you this? This is why you've had all these problems in your life already. Like, this is why, you know, you've already made all these mistakes that you've made. And so you come away from that thinking it's all you. It's like being in an abusive relationship. You're like, you keep thinking like, I don't think this is me. Like, I really think that, like, I really don't feel that way. So you begin to deny who you are. You begin to deny what you think and you begin to like no longer really trust yourself because you're being so spun around about all these different things. So it's like my parents have had this child and it's like, well, you know, that's not important. You gave her to the home that she was supposed to be in, but here, you know, take this one in and you need to make sure that you're loving all these other kids around you. So it was like some moment of even denying what has happened to you. So that is some of the ways that the vice grip began to close around my family. And it really caused a lot of separation between my grandparents too. And it was very, it was very sad. And as a kid, you know, I think a lot of the times it was just like, you know, you just, you just do what you're supposed to do, which is go to school and play with your friends. And you have to accept all your friends as being your like family. So, and so it just, I kept going day to day as usual and whoever they said was my sibling was my sibling. So more of that to come. Chris was not the first sibling or Chris was the first sibling, but he was not the last sibling. That one will be a great story later. So lots more of stuff to come. Um, as far as healing techniques, I kind of just want to share today, you know, if you guys have dove into this podcast and you've been through some type of religious abuse, the first thing I would say absolutely use this as a resource. I'm happy for you to do so. I'm happy for you to, you know, get involved on social media. But if you need professional help, you need a therapist or a psychologist or any of those types of things, I want you to seek that out. It has been incredibly beneficial for me and my family to be able to get professional help. I wholeheartedly recommend, you know, anything that you need to begin to put the pieces back together of, of whatever it is you've been through. And my experience is not necessarily the experience you've been through. There may be other types of things that you've been through. There's a lot of groups that deal with a lot of types of sexual abuse. And, you know, whether you go the route of therapy, EMDR has been phenomenal. I know it's really good for trauma. Um, if you were in a group for a long time, then you probably need some level of professional help for you and the people that you love. And there's all different kinds out there. So make sure you seek that out. That's really just my tip for today. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. So hope you have an amazing day. <laughs>